The Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Luke, chapter 24, beginning at the first verse. Glory to you, Lord Jesus Christ. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they came to the tomb, taking the spices that they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they went in, they did not find the body. While they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men in dazzling clothes stood beside them. The women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you, while he was still in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be handed over to sinners and be crucified, and on the third day rise again. Then they remembered the, his words, and returning from the tomb, they told all this to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with whom who told this to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter got up and ran to the tomb. Stooping and looking in, he saw the linen cloths by themselves. Then he went home amazed at what had happened. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Loving God, may the words that I speak make sense because they are inspired by your Holy Spirit. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You've probably heard this story before. This story has been told and retold for 1,992 years, give or take a few. This might be your favourite version of the story. Or you might prefer Matthew, Mark or John's account. Or maybe the story in your mind is a patchwork of all of the versions together. Some of you might find it hard to believe that there are still some in our Western world who have never heard this story before. Can you imagine what it would be like hearing this story for the very first time ever? Would you even believe that there are some who actually believe that today is only about having a long weekend, eating as much chocolate as you possibly can, while telling mysterious stories about an anthropomorphic rabbit. Imagine that. You might believe every single word of the story that you've just heard Paul read for us. Without a slither of a doubt. Or there might be some parts that make you wonder, worried, confused or maybe even suspicious. Or maybe you don't believe a single word of this story. But I hope you might believe that stories matter. There's so much scepticism in our world because frankly there's so much to be sceptical about. In this type of world, stories 
particularly personal stories and eyewitness accounts from people that we know and the people that we trust have never mattered more. If I asked you to think of the craziest stories that you've heard over the last two years, I'm sure we could begin easily listing, listing some of the many conspiracy theories that we've heard. Or maybe you might be able to bring to mind an example of something that you thought was impossible or would never, ever happen that's beyond your belief that is actually true. Like, could you believe that I actually turned 50 yesterday and I don't look a day older than 30? Like, could you believe that? If you're anything like me, the stories that I find hardest to believe are the ones that seem least likely, those unexpected stories. But have you ever thought about it this way? That the entire story of God's relationship with us is a story of the unexpected. 700 or so years before we get to today's story, the prophet Isaiah gave us a pretty strong hint when he told us and the people of Israel that in terms of God, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways, says the Lord. And if that is the case, then pretty much everything God does should be unexpected. This story is amongst, if not, the hardest of all the stories about God for people to believe. The disciples didn't even believe it the first time that they heard it. But as much as our world might seem to be dominated with scepticism, I think there's at least an equal, I suggest maybe even a a greater measure of a hunger for the unexpected or the impossible or the unbelievable. Don't we, particularly over the last couple of years, find ourselves longing to hear the good news story? Longing to hear about a victory by the underdog or a miracle cure? In a world of darkness and despair, one of the biggest obstacles for a person to believe is what we might think is God's inaction. If God was real, wouldn't a loving God do something to stop, change or fix this? Even the most faithful among us would be guilty of time and time again saying words like, when will God do something? And this is no new phenomenon. The book of Psalms is littered with cries of lament just like this. But I wonder, what if we're looking at this all wrong? I'm going to put a big idea in your head. Might not, it probably will hurt as much as smashing an egg on your head, but have a think about this. What if 
God has already done all that needs to be done. Now, I'm not suggesting that God has checked out or gone on holidays. In fact, I think if God had gone on holidays, then we wouldn't be hearing reports of all the chaos at our airports at the moment because all the, the lines would be queued and going through smoothly. I do think God is active and present in our world. But what if Jesus' death and resurrection was actually enough? And what if resurrection was a pattern created to continue? If you bear with me for a moment, and if we think that it is possible that God could have already done all that needs to be done. And if we look around us and we see the world still in a steaming mess, then the problem might not actually be with God. It might be with us. And that's not something we really like to admit, is it? We much prefer to lay the blame on our crazy neighbour, on the government, a foreign power, or God. When all along the one thing that could really change our present situation is our own personal transformation. I was listening to a podcast a few weeks ago and the person being interviewed made a comment, just an aside, and the interviewer kept on going. But it was like the comment slapped me in the face and I I stopped the podcast and I clicked back a couple of times and I listened again and I heard these words. Transformation begins with a story you can't forget. Wow. Isn't that just the story we've heard this morning? Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of Jesus, and the other women had heard a story they couldn't possibly forget. A story so wildly unbelievable, even those closest to them wouldn't believe it. And that story and the transformation that follows in those people who heard the story and would tell the story to others, who would tell the story to others, who would tell the story to others. That story has changed human history. Whether you actually believe in the story as if it happened the way it did or not, that story has changed the way and the world in which we live. Resurrection is a pattern that God has created and set aside for human transformation. An example we see on that first Easter morning. I read a pretty brutal statement as I was preparing uh, this morning's message. A Bible scholar made this comment. They said, 
Christians today lack the capacity to speak of God in a meaningful way. Wow. That's harsh. Is that fair? I mean, surely the decline in the church in the Western world, the rise of secularism and the increasing dysfunction within the church has completely to do with external factors, doesn't it? Maybe there could be something to this criticism. Maybe we've heard this story so often that we've become desensitised to it and it's lost its impact. Maybe we've forgotten it or neglected it. Maybe we haven't gone all in on the transformation part. Maybe we really don't believe or we've stopped believing because something really bad has happened to us. In the death and resurrection of Jesus and in the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, God has not only made a way for us to be forgiven, liberated and have an intimate relationship with God through Jesus, God has also set into motion a pattern for ongoing transformation for us. But all that is needed is our response and our trust. And that reminds me of a really, 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 really old joke. Apologize in advance. You might have heard it. It's the one about the person lost at sea, crying out to God for rescue. And along comes a fishing boat, then a cruise liner, and then a helicopter. And each time the person says, no, 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 don't need your help. I have faith God will save me. After the man dies... He confronts God. God, why didn't you save me? God says, but I sent you a fishing boat, a cruise liner, and a helicopter. You know what I've discovered, particularly over the last couple of years? There will always be a story we can't forget. And God will always be at work in and through those stories being available, waiting for us to realise and respond and transform. Men, who among us over the last two years has not heard or lived a story that they can't forget? Men, it's been the most memorable two years of my 50 years. But are they stories which we are allowing God to speak into? Or have we allowed the darkness of those last two years to blind our eyes to the possibility of God? A God who has already done the impossible and the unbelievable. And do we trust that God will continue to do the impossible and the unbelievable? Do we trust God enough to continue the pattern of transformation in our lives. We could be seeing impossible things happen every day. We only took the time to notice and to notice God at work. But too often, we either ignore or dismiss them or are too busy trying to find a plausible explanation to what's just happened. 
God has done the impossible. Death and darkness have been overcome. They've lost their power over God and they can lose their power over us if we are in relationship with God, if we respond and if we trust and if we transform. In the darkness, it can be the hardest place to see or sense God at work. But it's actually in the darkness where God is most present with us, available to us, patient with us, and ready for us to be transformed. And so this year, as in every year of the 1,991 years since, the work of Easter is up to us. But it's not complicated and it's not difficult. Well, it might be difficult in some ways. We have to leave behind our desire for control, our blame of others, our scepticism, the neglect of our responsibilities, our self-focus. And all we need to do is just to take up one thing, trust in the one who tells the story, Jesus. Nothing more, nothing less, just Jesus. When we trust in the one who tells the story, it makes all the difference. It opens and continues to reopen the door for belief, and it's a catalyst for transformation. Remember? Transformation begins with a story that you can't forget. Easter is that story. And that story matters more than ever. And that's why this year we believe that Easter has never mattered more. Amen. On your seats, you'll find uh, some origami doves and some pencils. If the kids haven't moved them off. Um, throughout the rest of the service, I'd like to invite you to think about transformation. The dove is a symbol of transformation, the power of Holy Spirit at work in our world. So I wonder if, as we sing this next song, as we pray the prayers, as we get to communion, and as we sing and sing and go, whether you might ask yourself, what needs transformation? If you're joining us online this morning, you've got time um, to work out how to Google and make your own origami dove. You can even send it in to the church. What needs transformation? Maybe it's you. Maybe you've been praying for somebody close to you. Maybe you're looking out at the world and saying, wow, there's a lot that needs transformation. Maybe we might need more doves. We do have plenty. At the end of the service, once we've sung our final song, and as you go, I'd like to invite you to bring that dove as an offering, as your prayer for transformation personally, for our world, for those who you love. If it's meaningful for you, come and lay that prayer in the dove 
at the foot of the altar with the other doves that have been collected throughout this week. Or at the back of the church, there's some baskets. Easter is actually 50 days of feasting. 50 years, 50 feasts. When? When we get to the end of the 50 days and we're going to continue to use these doves over this season of Easter, we're going to get to the Feast of Pentecost, which is the end of the 50 days, and do something amazing with these doves. So they matter more than ever. So what you do with these doves today matters. Your prayers matter. And the transformation in your life has never mattered more. Let's stand together as we sing. You can also, if you don't want to write or somebody's nicked the pencils, just hold them.